Hello and welcome to this special presentation of the Brazil Institute podcast. I'm your host, Bruna Santos, and I recently held a great conversation with former U.S. Ambassador to Brazil, Liliana Ayaldi, and Maria Herminia Tavares, who is a professor at the Federal University of Sao Paulo. They are both members of the Brazil Institute Advisory Council. We talked about the election of Lula, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, as Brazil's next president and the implications for public policy in Brazil and its impact on U.S.-Brazil relations. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you join us again soon for another edition of Brazil Institute Podcast. Boa tarde. Good afternoon. Sejam todos muito bem-vindos. Welcome. Brazil elected Lula for a third mandate defeating Bolsonaro. This election, it goes without saying, was a consequential one to Brazil, to the world, and perhaps it has defined our democratic and environmental futures. It was the, the tightest uh, election in history. Lula won by 2 million uh, votes and was also the first election in Brazilian history, democratic election in Brazilian history, where the defeat, the the incumbent was defeated, and the first time we elected democratically someone for a third term. So we saw an unprecedented drop in abstention, uh, first and second rounds, and this election was divisive in many ways. So we all emerged from these elections in a divided country. But what we saw is that the democratic institutional fabric of Brazil, the Supreme Court, the Electoral Court, the Speaker of the House, the leader in the Senate, they all very quickly recognized Lula's win, as well as a number of other important international players and Brazil's partners like the United States. So I hope this conversation brings a valuable perspective to actions and opportunities ahead of us and to comment on that we have invited two important figures, close friends of the Brazil Institute and the Latin American program. Liliana Yalde, who is former U.S. ambassador to Brazil, and Maria Hermina Tavares de Almeida, professor at the University of Sao Paulo. So I want to welcome Liliana and Maria Hermina, and Ambassador Liliana. Maria Hermina, thank you for being here with us. And I will start asking for your very initial remarks, and then we dig into questions. So I'll start with you, Liliana. What does this type victory means to Brazil? What are the underlying trends in policymaking, foreign policy to watch um, in the short and midterm, you think? Bruna, boa tarde. Obrigada pelo convite. And great to see Maria Hina again as well. Um, so let me start with a couple of takeaways. Uh, you know, I'm not being Brazilian, but certainly someone who really cares about Brazil. Uh, this has been very turbulent. It's a very turbulent and uh, chaotic um, campaign to watch and so and to understand. But like you said, uh, after all the allegations of um, uh, of fraud and electoral fraud. Um, you know, there's a celebration that, that the institutions, the electoral institutions, the democratic institutions actually worked. And uh, the 
in general, the elections appear to have been uh, safely won, transparent, and credible. You know, a lot of uh, the countries have already, um, and institutions have already congratulated uh, Brazil for, for, for running these. Um, but what I but, but what I see is very complicated um, governance issues coming up because the the country is clearly divided. I, I mean, almost like divided south and and north, uh, divided in governorships. You know, twelve versus thirteen, uh, a Congress that is very pro Bolsonaroista. Uh, and um, and just you know the, the population itself is 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 torn between these two very different visions, and a very different Brazil from what Lula governed first time, second time around. You know the resources aren't there, the commodity boom that he had to play with, and I think the region is very different. Um, you know people talk about the pig tide and put a lot of labels. I think there is a very diverse group of uh, leftist-oriented governments. You know, some are very pragmatic. And so Lula will have to deal with it differently. I found it interesting that he didn't, for instance, uh, comment about, uh, you know, Venezuela, Cuba, or Nicaragua, or any that usually is mentioned in his, in his, in his, uh, in his um, acceptance speech. Which tells me, but he did talk about the victory is for democracy and not for uh, authoritarianism. And what that tells me is that he's going to have a challenging time navigating with some of his traditional friends um, in the region. So there are some foreign policy um, challenges out there. Um, a very welcome uh, um, statements on, uh, in terms of foreign policy, certainly on climate change um, and uh, in uh, re-energizing uh, the zero deforestation approach, and certainly a lot of, of social issues that will be a big part of his of his agenda. So, uh, difficult times ahead. Uh, despite the win, and two million sounds like a lot of votes if you're talking about other countries, but for Brazil, it's like razor thin. And um, so I think that the challenges lie ahead in terms of how he, how Lula will be able to build alliances, coalitions in order to be able to govern. That's great, um, Liliana. Thank you so much. I will ask Maria Arminia now to answer this. I think that the elections were about the future of democracy in Brazil. But I would like to to uh, to make some observations, and I completely agree with the the uh, the points uh, Liliana had uh, had um, made, and also about her her words. But I would like regarding the Brazilian division. It's it's a kind of a very interesting uh, thing because if you look the electoral maps, they are exactly the same in 2006, 2010, 2014, and now 2022. Uh, the states where the petit uh, won are, pre are the same, and uh, the states of, uh, where the, the forces 
that uh, that compete with the PT are are the same. I have a friend that said that even the ballot by ballot, you can <laughs> you can see this. What happened is that the divide in Brazil since 2006 is PT and anti-PT. This is the dynamic of a political game. What happened is that the anti-PT forces now headed by a extreme right leader. So I think that the, the changes that happened happened in the center to the right field uh, political field in Brazil, and, and what we, we have seen since 2018 is the rise of the stream right with a very popular, actually, uh, lead. So this is the, the, the first thing. The second thing is that there has been a very broad democratic convergence around uh, Lula's candidates. So we cannot say that that was a victory of the PT, that was a victory of a broad democratic coalition uh, that goes from the center democratic right to the left. And this is the first time that this happens in Brazil since transition to, uh, to democracy. And I think this is a very positive issue. And this is also an issue that will allow, uh, give opportunity for Lula to build a, a governing, a very broad governing coalition that will have to be built in order to tackle with the challenges not only political, but also economic and uh, international challenges that Brazil faces today. So I think from the positive uh, side, we have this democratic coalition that was built during the elections. And since I think that Lula is a very, he is a good uh, negotiator, I think that this can be a basis for governing coalition. On the other side, the, the bad news are that now the opposition to this coalition is headed by a extreme right uh, leader. I will go. I will ask a little bit about foreign policy, and then I come back and talk a little more about Congress and public policy. But I want to hear from you, Liliana. The world where a Lula government governed in two thousand three was a very different one, especially when you look at the role of the multilateral organizations, for example. The world was less polarized, I would say. So, how you think? How might the regional dynamics and other Latin American states be impacted by election results? If we look at the region, I personally believe that he will distance himself from what people think. Like, uh, you know, um, right before the election, Maduro came out with a strong statement. Uh, supporting Lula. And I thought to myself, wow, that's not really helpful. Um, because I think uh, because of where Brazil is, um, you know, it needs to be more middle of ground. And I think uh, you will see a Lula that will be much more moderate. Um, and he, ha he, sta he has stated that, um, you know, he, he wants to distance himself from the authoritarianism. So Dictators like Maduro, Ortega, you know, so countries, Cuba, I, I think he will figure out a way, in his, and he is a political animal, of uh, maneuvering it. Um, 
and I do think it's an opportunity uh, for the region where you have these situations, uh, you know, to have Lula play a more uh, active role democratically, let's say. I see him, for instance, and in being more active in things like Haiti. Uh, you know, they're they're now going through a tremendous crisis, and I see the possibility of engaging uh, uh, there. Um, Brazil was a, a, a leader in the peacekeeping mission, uh, MINUSTA. And so there's tremendous amount of experience with the military. I see him being more active in those kind of regional issues. In his acceptance speech, he mentioned Africa. I see him being interested more in the trilateral cooperation, for instance, that he was very active in. Uh, with the United States. Uh, you know, there was some effort to, to, to work with the cooperation of the U.S. Uh, um, development cooperation, that's USAID, and the equivalent of the Brazilian cooperation on issues of food security um, in, in Africa or, or in Central America. I think he will, be, he will look for those opportunities to be more active in those kinds of uh, global challenges and to uh, place Brazil um, kind of in a different type of stage. Um, and so uh, that's sort of what I predict. Um, but and again, global climate change will be a big issue um, and a forefront priority. Yeah. Maria Ermina, when I, I want to ask you the same question, but with the following, with the following nuance. One of the things we notice when we look at the Lula 1.0 or 2.0, the first or second terms, the, the regional leadership played out by credit lines a lot using the NDS, right? Um, I think there is this hope of like, for probably like, especially from Argentina, perhaps for Brazil to play a role similar to what it did in the, in the first decade of this century. But it doesn't seem that it's possible anymore because of the economic situation. I want to I wanna hear your thoughts about it as well, in uh, this um, effect in the region. Uh, first of all, uh, before going to, to your question, I think that uh, climate change and environmental issues will, will play a huge part in the Brazilian new foreign policy. Uh, because it's a, it's a way of winning uh, some respectability that Brazil lost in the past, and I think that Brazil will play this uh, strongly, either in the international fora, in, in international regimes, and also we can do it in at regional level. After all, uh, the Amazon region is not only Brazilian, uh, Brazilian issue. The, the other countries that are part of the Amazon, and I think this can help to have a positive agenda that circumvents the more complicated issues about uh, democracy, Venezuela, and all that. And uh, so I think that the environment and climate change will be very, a very important issue in the Brazilian foreign policy. Second, in the region, I think that uh, Lula's government will try to rebuild a forum of discussion and, and moderation. That was the, the, the role of NASU, actually. It was not a project of integration. It was a political forum where uh, Brazil could 
moderate some <laughs> some uh, some of uh, of its uh, neighbors and also uh, could gain some some protagonism in the, in the region uh, and so I, I think that maybe uh, Brazil will play those two 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 issues uh, environment climate change issues and also some kind of experimenting rebuilding something like Nassau where the countries can uh, can discuss uh, their problems and for Brazil uh, Nassau was a way of moderating Venezuela actually <laughs> in spite of of the it, it at least was an effort uh, of the Brazilian dip diplomacy to moderate uh, uh, Venezuela uh, although they didn't say that uh, explicitly. The other issue, important issue, is China. Because when uh, China was beginning to have a role in Latin America in the last Lula's government, and now is the first um, uh, trade partner of Brazil and several other South American countries. And so I think that Brazil will use China to, to get something from the United States, use the United States to get things from China. And I think we'll, Brazil will try to balance these two forces that are important political and economic forces in the, in the region. Yeah, absolutely. Brazil became the, the main investment destination for China, right? Yeah. And it's very impressive to see how Brazil has uh, tripled uh, the, the investment by Chinese uh, companies in Brazil has like tripled in uh, returning to like pre-COVID standards. So it's really impressive the how the Chinese capital is inserted in the country in in sectors such as energy, especially. And then uh, talking about energy and following up on uh, all the everything you said about the environment and Amazon and the, the role it's going to have in Brazil's policy uh, and especially foreign policy is um, I think that Lula's uh, speech was setting the tone as it should. Right. And he said that, like, we will protect the Amazon. The first station of the Amazon will be. Stop the deforestation of the Amazon will be a priority. And I think that one of the aspects for that is like, how can he lever influence to finance the protection of forests and finance research and science around uh, the Amazon and sustainability and also how um, outlining uh, the Brazil's strategy, uh, what is going to be Brazil's strategy on global carbon markets, for example. Liliana? Yeah, I think they're great opportunities. Um, uh, the way he talked about sustainability. I mean, there are people, the indigenous communities that live in the forest. So he talked about growth, but sustainable growth. And, you know, there. Are, I think he is looking for innovation and, um, you know, creative ways of doing this. Uh, but, you know, always mentioning sovereignty and, and, you know, I think that is the sensitivity that we as the United States always need to be careful on to how to approach it. And sometimes without even knowing it, uh, we come across as like the Amazon is ours, right? And so we have to be very careful about doing this. So the space is there to do a lot uh, because he talked about monitoring and you know a lot of things that where technology can be better utilized 
to ensure that there's pro proper use of, of the forests and to avoid all the legal kind of activity that can happen around gold and mining and, and so forth and, and logging. Uh, and that's where you, where I can, I heard and, and I can see lots of opportunity for, for, for engagement, not only with the United States, but with others, but always uh, recognizing that Brazil's an elite. And um, so, so I think it's, it's, it's going to be, like Maria Nina said, a big part of, of foreign policy and for the United States and for the Biden administration, I can foresee that being a big area of, of engagement uh, and, and much more than, 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 it's, than it has been. So great opportunities. Yeah. Do you want to comment a little bit on that? Um... Yes, I, 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 in, the, in the same direction, I think it's a huge opportunity of cooperation with the United States, including in the security if uh, the United States is prudent enough <laughs> and sensible enough to this, uh, this issue of sovereignty, uh, which is very dear to the military. I think they are not so capable of of ensure Brazilian uh, 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 Brazilian sovereignty. Uh, they actually uh, don't have a, a good score on this during the the Bolsonaro uh, Bolsonaro's period. They had this Amazon plan, the Amazon community, and they have done very little uh, to block organized crime of various. Uh, types of organized crime that operate in in, in the Amazon, in Brazil, and in the the other um, neighboring countries. But I think that even this issue of of security, if it is played with sensibility, uh, I think that can uh, can uh, can work well. I think. The other one is the cooperation on issues of uh, network, of internet network. Brazil uh, will need to have an improvement of its uh, if network infrastructure. It's, it, it, I know that it involves money, involves several things, but it's not confrontative. It's not conflictive if it's well managed. If I could just add, I think uh, the the point on security, some of the the, the large uh, criminal groups in 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 Brazil are now transnational groups. So when Lula was uh, president before, they were not; they didn't have the tentacles across borders that they have now. And so it's again, I I fully support it. There are. It's almost like a must because if you sit sit with your your regional neighbors, um, you have to deal with these issues that are huge. You know, you can't have um, uh, governance in regions that are that don't have a, a presence of the government services if you don't have security. And where you have insecurity, it's usually these groups that somehow have co-opted. The local populations into doing something that they shouldn't, something illegal. And so I think this is prime for kind of sitting down and talking about it as long as it doesn't become ideological. So, you know, there is a sensitivity of sovereignty, 
uh, but there's also if you start making it ideological, then you lose, uh, you know, the direction in which it really should be going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a security aspect of it, how Brazil is like handling it, the borders, the role of the military in it, is a very important element in Brazil's regional foreign policy too. Now I want to ask you your final thoughts and then we, we will have to wrap up. One is, I think that Lula, and who am I to underestimate Lula, who was like a year ago behind bars and two years ago behind bars, and now he's like a president elected. But he has a, a challenge ahead, which is very simple. His priority is economic recovery and social prosperity. And Brazil is in, in an extreme fragile situation, fiscal fragile situation. And at the same time, there is no clarity around how he's going to handle um, the what's going to be the new fiscal anchor for Brazil. And he's going to, he said he's going to scrap the public spending uh, ceiling, but he did mention that he wants to, the market to feel confident that he's able to do that. Basically saying also that he was able to do that, but as, as uh, Liliana said, and you said, Maria Minha, it's, um, it's a totally different uh economic situation globally. So I want to hear your thoughts on like the first 100 days of Lula. He's uh, figuring out how to implement the social policies he he's promising getting Brazil um, on track to get on track again uh, towards uh, more social equality. Uh, what's going to be his priorities? How he's going to handle uh, this macroeconomic situation that's not... Um, comfortable for anyone, especially after uh, Bolsonaro's uh, government, which has broken the uh, spending uh, cap, and uh, it's been estimated in 400 billion, the, the whole inherited, it will be inherited by Lula's government. So starting with you, Maria Mini, and then Liliana. I'm not sure. You see, I think he will make a very moderate government in the economy. He cannot say, I will uh, have a, a fiscal anchor because this was done by Temer, but he will do a kind of fiscal anchor. I think he will invite some very respected economists to do this. And I think that the issue of uh, immediate or rapid economic recovery is not so difficult I think the difficulty is to broke this this trend of slow growth, of unsustainable growth that Brazil has since the the, the 90s. I think this is really the, the, the challenge, how to build institutions and also including fiscal institutions that allow uh, to, to have some kind of sustainable growth for a long period. I think that the previous government uh, of Cardoso and also of Petit were not capable of do, do this. And I think this is a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, since the situation is not so good, 
you have some measures you can take immediately that uh, can give some comfort uh, to poor people and also to give some insurance to the investors that he's not uh, going to do crazy things. I think the really, really, uh, the real, real challenge is how to build uh, economic institutions that can allow Brazil to grow for uh, for a longer period of time. I would add to that that um, very early on, so Lula talked about taking two days off and then he will work on on his uh, transition. And I suspect that one of his first actions will be to name a credible, strong economic team that will send signals of credibility to the private sector because he urgently needs the private sector to join him uh, fully, accompany him in this road ahead. You know, he knows, he talked about Mia Casa, Mia Vida, you know, all those social programs that he's done before and he knows how to do that. But the economy will require various sectors of society to, to accompany him. Um, the role of Alchemy uh, as a VP will probably be an untraditional uh, VP, um, uh, given that he lost the governorship, or I mean, or, or his candidate lost uh, São Paulo, and, and have it being such a powerful state. But not only São Paulo, he lost three very major uh, states. Um, you know, he will require um, a lot of work with the private sector to support him in, in, you know, I'm not an economist, so I don't know, but in, he needs to send early on a credible system, a uh, signal of a team that's, that knows what they're doing, uh, that is going to revamp the economy to allow him to uh, uh, source, resource all the pro social programs that he's talking about. And uh, well, before we wrap up, I want to say that uh, this was a very insightful conversation. And I think that a number of answers that you both gave us and questions that you also raised are extremely important for Brazil Institute, for uh, our audience, for our programming on um, the following months. Also, I think it's extremely important, although everything that uh, Liliana and Maria Nina brought up, especially when it comes to like building and rethinking democratic institutions and our um, economic institutions because I think that both in Brazil and the United States the, the crisis of democratic institutions is also a crisis of government's delivery capacity so we have to uh, understand how we're going to build uh, institutions based on democratic and liberal values that can succeed uh, transforming also the world and implementing uh, real ideas that can change the status quo and change people's lives in a more concrete, uh, material way. And I want to thank again Liliana, Maria Arminia, thank you so much for your ongoing support, inspiration and uh, everything you, you said today. It's very inspiring. Thank you. The Brazil Institute podcast is produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. To learn more, visit our website www.wilsoncenter.org slash Brazil. Until next time, thanks for listening.